Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. Um, I'm Anthony. And I'm JB. And what an awful lot of things going on in the world today, Ant. Yes, I mean... I don't know where to start. No, no. So for those of you that are new to our podcast, um, we like to chew the fat on what's going on in leadership around the world that we can take inspiration from. And there is a lot going on in the news right now that we could talk about good and bad leadership and what can we learn in business leadership around that. Um, and also, JB and I like to refer to other books. Plus, we have a listener questions, um, which you can submit. If you're in the live audience, you can submit them in the chat box or the Q&A box. Or if you are a listener to our podcast from the platforms of your choice, then please do email those questions into globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com or globalleadershippodcast at seedle.com or even glp at seedle.com comes through to us as well. We have a couple of listener questions today. But JB, before we get into the crux of the news, um, what's going on in the world of Mr. Bradley right now? Well, Mr. Bradley has just travelled um, at great speed from one part of the UK to another having spent a little bit of time with my family and my little granddaughter, who is just coming up for one, would you believe it? Um, and she's just about to start walking. And uh, we've got three means of communication. One is just reaching out and touching hands. That's like a little song, isn't it? I, think. Mm, I heard that one before. Reaching out, touching, touching hands, me, touching, touching you. you. Touching me. If you sing any more than 15 seconds, we have to pay royalties. So Okay, okay, right. We'll stop that right there. Yeah. Um, so touching hands is one thing. The other is... <laughs> and then she does it. Um, and the other one is... <laughs> and I thought I'd introduce that as a little kind of thing for our podcasts. Um, if we're not making any sense to each other, I mm. think we should do any one of those reaching out, touching hands, singing. Uh, the the others, <laughs> and the other run is, um, so that's what I'm bringing to the party today. Okay. Wow, we really have spent some time apart, haven't we, over the last week or so? Um, you did ask. That's yeah. literally what I've been doing for the last two days, speaking that kind of, and I, I, I will continue if you want. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, no. Um, yeah. Um, so JB and I normally run leadership podcasts. But dear listeners, I must tell you that um, uh, I've been separated from JB for three weeks. Um, it's because... been awful. I've hated every moment of it. I have actually seriously missed you. Oh, the world be... is not the same without your lovely face in my face. Ah, well, uh, that's good to know. In a virtual sense, he, he just in case. In a virtual, he... uh, even yeah. in a real sense, I'd, I'd yeah. love to just you know give you a great big hug and say and we're still here we're okay we're surviving despite everything all this stuff yeah yeah there's a lot going on at the moment isn't there and and, and look so so uh, th there's a couple of things i'd like to bring to the table and 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 it's a, a it's a question if you will are leadership right to exploit loyalty in order for personal or organizational gain and the inspiration behind that question is the Canadian elections that have just concluded in Canada. And um, the skeptics of our international audience would say that it was absolutely an opportunity to exploit some momentum that existed from the PM of Canada, Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. 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 I say Trudeau, Trudeau like Judo. Um, blah, 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 whatever that was. That blah, 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 blah. Um, and um, he has called a snap general election after two years um, yes. in the post. And I know this is, he's, he's won a previous election, but his ambition was to gain a majority government 
um, and by all accounts, everything was running okay. There was a status quo. There was no particular um, reason to call it because you could draw some comparisons in the UK. Theresa May. Yep, and, and, and also Boris Johnson, of course. We had what? We had three elect general elections in, in three years yeah. um, and, and a referendum in Scotland and a referendum on the EU membership. So we were we were fatigued on the polls. And I remember quite famously in the UK, there was that lady going, what, another election? Oh, good God. Yes, yes. And the frustration around it. But there, at that point, of course, there was a minority government. There was a complete stalemate in terms of what the government of the day was going to do because no one was agreeing on anything and nothing was moving forward, which I think also leads into another debate around proportional representation. But that's a different discussion for a different day. However, what's happened in Canada is that the leader of Canada POC has thought, hmm, the opinion polls are telling me that people, my engagement, my colleague engagement scores are saying that I'm great. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if I can get even more mandate to do what I want to do with this business by getting them to vote through whether they agree with my plans or not. Effectively is what I think is is the gist of the Canadian elections. Now, um, for those of you that have had your buried, head buried in the sand um, that might be in the live audience today, um, he's, I believe, set to gain one seat, which basically moves him nowhere. He's still in the minority government. And actually, he's wasted, I think it's £324,000 sterling, 600000 Canadian dollars, and I think it's 530000 US dollars, million dollars, should I say, in the process. So <clears throat> um, my question to you, JB, is leaders, is it right to exploit popularity or loyalty for personal or organisational gain? Never. Thank you very much. That's the end <laughs> of the podcast. And next week... <laughs> <laughs> no it's not right is it it ca that can't be right no. how can that how can that be a, a how can that benefit anybody apart from it backfired, on, Theresa May, it, didn't it? It backfired on her and it and it backfired on darling old justin you know he hasn't um got anywhere mm. it's a risky strategy to bank on your good looks and your charm and your you know your polls um i think i think you're setting yourself up for a little bit of a um, I, I don't think people like it, do they? You know, no. if it's a little bit opportunistic, and I think people go, "Ooh, I don't want to be taken advantage of like this." Mm. I'm not feeling comfortable. I don't like it, um, and I think it's a very, very dangerous thing to go and do in politics, and probably in a in a work situation. Can you imagine a situation at work and where people where a CEO might do that sort of thing? And here is so I, I was ready for the, the conversation to nudge in that general direction, because at the moment, some colleague engagement scores are, you know, investors are being told by some of their firms that they own, for example, that colleague engagements at an all time high because they did a colleague engagement survey perhaps six months ago in the depths of the pandemic when either people were furloughed and therefore couldn't take part in a colleague engagement survey. And those that were employed were gl glad to have a job because of the depth of the crisis at that point. And therefore, often colleague engagement scores are skewed to people's own anxieties and job security. And actually, um, as whilst this colleague engagement survey says it's anonymous, I'm going to say everything's great. I'm not looking to leave in the next six months because I don't want my boss to fire me. Equally, some people would not want to leave their organization in the next six months in January because actually they didn't know when we were going to come out of the crisis, which we now seem to be emerging out of. But what we now read in the news, of course, is this great resignation, which we talked about in previous episodes. And I have seen some organizations and I've 
intercepted in one conversation in my previous employer, which I say no more, where they said, well, you know, their other half's been made redundant, so we don't need to give them a pay rise. That's exploiting loyalty. And I think that's a really dangerous behavior to have. And, and I agree with you, JB. I think it was not good enough. Theresa May, stupid idea. Justin Trudeau, stupid idea. Um, the, the election in 2019 was probably needed because we we're all fed up with the stalemate and there was a big push from the public to empty the swamp. Now, whether it emptied in the right direction depends on which way you voted. But um, I guess at least whether you agree or disagree with the government in the UK at the moment, the majority at least means things gets done. And at the moment, you could argue in the US, there is a Democratic um, Party leading both houses of Congress and whatever the other one's called. So they have a clear mandate to execute their plan. But I guess th this is the problem, isn't it? Is that um, you, in defense, and I'm trying to look at it from both angles here, is that minority governments and minority leadership or leadership by committee can be incredibly debilitating to a business's direction. And this is where I, I think there, there was some logic behind it, but it was an abuse of of loyalty for the wrong reasons just because you've handled that you know in the uk we could be celebrated for having the highest level of vaccination rate in the world which is by all accounts the case we've got i think a higher percentage of double vaccinated adults now and i think we're number one in the world currently um, which is which is great news um and um yet i suspect if there was a general election tomorrow i don't think our current majority government would do as well as they did in 2019 because there is an awful lot of other things. And, and a week seems a long time in, poli in politics, doesn't it, at the moment? And a week seems a long time in business. In the UK, for those of you that listen to us internationally, um, and you're aware of this across Europe, there is a gas shortage on, on various gases, CO2, um, you know, a gas for our boiler systems, which means our fuel prices are going to increase, which means we could have food shortages because actually we can't store our foods appropriately because we don't have enough CO2 gas in the country. Um, we have a shortage of drivers across the world, in fact, because there is an aging population of retiring drivers and there's no one coming through the ranks that wants to go and drive a truck because pay isn't right. And again, there has been, I think, abuse of leadership um, of this loyalty for too long. But I also do think there is a challenge with bureaucracy killing decision making. You know, if we look back to a few weeks ago with the 9-11 anniversary, there was a documentary about the Bush administration and the handling of the day. And generally speaking, it just followed them for 12 hours. But I think what came from it was that Bush said that he had to lead. Whether his own emotions had to be put one side, he had to make decisions. And his word was, I have to make I had to make decisions in that moment. And arguably, 10, 15 years time, we'll look back at our different uh, leaders of our countries and wonder whether they made the right decisions at the right time. I suspect most got some right, most got some wrong. Um, we had nothing to bank against. But what I sense was the reasoning for Justin Trudeau's reason to go for a snap election wasn't necessarily for personal gain. It possibly was frustration of the inability to move forward with a vision. And in an organization, that can be hugely damaging. If we sit on the status quo, our business could be eroded from underneath our feet. The lack of decision-making could kill our business. At the moment, business is changing so quickly. If we are bureaucratic in our decision-making, is it going to kill our business? Anyway, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, it's very, it, it's quite thought-provoking because um, we know, uh, well, I think we can, we can name the business, UKRD Group, um, run by the very fabulous William Rogers, 
um, they were very focused on the retention, uh, development and engagement of their people uh, mm. through a, a set of very strong values and, and an exceptional um, training company that they employed to develop their people. Mm. Did they write a book together, Ucardi, in that company? When I think I think they did. And, I'm, a, um, I'm in the office today, otherwise I can't, I can't flip a copy in front yes, of the camera. So, somewhere. I, I, I'm so modest, I don't really show my book that often. Um, he, he said his book, if any of you wanted to clarify what he it's just called, said. It, it's called No Normal, and uh, it's written by Jonathan Bradley, Deco, and William Rogers. Anyway, uh, as you spoke about, uh, you know, this sort of gain um, from popularity or p- perceived popularity in engagement scores... Uh, or polls or whatever they happen to be, then that might give you the confidence then to go and buy another organisation, another radio group in the case of UKRD. So an awful lot of effort was put into um, making sure that the retention uh, and engagement of the staff was very high. If we look at it, you know, analytically rather than from a sort of values perspective, which I know is very important to to William and his senior leadership team at the time. Um, But they didn't actually go on. Once they'd done the initial forming, they didn't go storming. So they had all this pent up effort and all of this investment with all of these fabulous people, but they couldn't go anywhere with it. They didn't actually benefit. They didn't get a return on the investment in their people by through growth and expansion. They they stayed where they were and remained, um, you know, reasonably uh, profitable by any radio margin at the time. Um, but they got stuck. So I wonder if you had a brave, ambitious, courageous highly risk-taking CEO (laughs) and they went off and bought a whole load of businesses and got everyone stuck in to a massive growth strategy, what would have happened to the engagement, retention and development of the people? Would would William have lost loads of people in the process? And I'm trying to I'm trying to fit this in with the with the with the kind of political thing. in, in trying to get the country, presumably Trudeau's got ideas of grow, growing Canada and their trade further uh, around the world and to put them even further on the map. Um, uh, to me, that is like a, a, a big organisation, a big corporate. Yeah, yeah. You know, try, with, a, with a great big growth strategy, which may involve the takeover of another country or two um, in terms of putting your products there and your services and so on. China's pretty, pretty, you know, dominant in that sense. Um, I, I just, um, I'm just, you know, thinking through. Uh, it's kind of risk taking, and and for Trudeau, this risk has not paid off. For for um, Theresa May, it didn't pay off. For Boris, it did. It did pay off. And and which way did Justin look <laughs> for his inspiration? I suppose. But I, I and, and of course, I doubt there was such a, you know, there was a, a I think we, we, we both know without getting too much into the politics that there was get Brexit done was a very divisive strategy. 
um, for the campaign. And I think actually, regardless of how you voted in Brexit, you did want it done one way or the other. And I guess um, that perhaps is what helped Boris and, of course, his, 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 his ability to excite people, I suppose, with a vision of something positive. I think the challenge that Justin Trudeau had was that actually they were coming out of a pandemic um, and actually there was no major agenda that was being pushed apart from climate change. And um, I think I looked at the top seven things that people were kind of voting on the basis of. Um, but ultimately, people just wanted a couple of years, thanks, um, just to, you know, to get out of this and see what where the land lies. So I think a lot of people saw this as an interference, whereas I think and, and Theresa May, I suppose, was trading off of her high rise in the polls. She was newly elected and was being accused by the opposition of being an unelected prime minister. And that's what she did. And she ended up, unfortunately, losing seats. I think she lost, didn't she? She she won. She still had a minority government. but She had less seats than she had. She, in fact, she went from a marginal majority to a minority government, I believe, is what it, how it worked out. Whereas currently we have the biggest majority, which, to your point, JB, allows that leader, in this case, Boris Johnson, uh, to take risks um, because he knows he has a tenure of another two or three years to iron out. What he didn't probably imagine in 2019 when he was elected was there was going to be an 18-month to two-year pandemic that was going to completely wipe out all the momentum that's built up in income, revenue, taxation and everything else, which none of us, I suppose, would want to go through. However, I think to your point around leadership in business, I think if I was running a minority business where perhaps I was a subsidiary of a group of companies, it's frustrating, at least. At the very least, it's frustrating because you've got no one that is willing to help you make those decisions you then need to kind of lobby constantly to get things over the line and those people that may be against it unless you're a really really strong leader but then if you're a really really strong leader arguably the colleague engagement is allowed you to take risks <laughs> so yeah. i suspect justin trudeau is a bit of a a wallpaper leader as you and i have referred to people i mean as you say polished good looking guy interesting he shaved off his beard and is rather kind of crappy drabby look for a sharp and sophisticated middle-aged gentleman like us where yes. you know we we are the, the the role models of beard beard life yeah and absolutely i think they're quite i think our beards are quite sharp now um I, for, I, yeah. for the 21st century yeah i agree yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so trudeau and, you've got it wrong again you made a you've made a stupid mistake in going for an election number one number two you shaved your beard off what a what, what a I, what a i don't know that. I think that was, again, that was a political move that he was aware that the people that preferred his image were the shaved look. Do you think? Yep. Yeah, he, so looks he, young, he, looks, he looks younger now, more energised. I'm not suggesting we look because we both got beards being less energised, but we all know <laughs> that, that you know, in, if we look at UK elections, you know, um, sharp and stylish and, is you know, although, again, that, that's nothing like Boris Johnson, but, um, you know, I think... Blair and Brown is a good example, and I'm interested that the documentary is about to come on the BBC actually about the the the, the Blair years, etc., or New Labour's uh, birth and death. Um, but but no, I it, it's really interesting because I can understand the frustration of a leader, and therefore how do they break the deadlock? But the problem is, is that I think too many instances over the last decade, a decade ago, we had a coalition government. And that was a period of continuity. In fact, actually, I look back on 2010 to 2015 quite fondly. 
because it was it had some you know it had a real mix of 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 remain and <laughs> brexit it had the heart of the lib dems who are very centrist by all accounts um and the business acumen of conservatives arguably you know all these different things came together and and w was a period of okayness we then had the olympics and things which also i think boosted the morale of the country but 10 years on the world's completely different we've had trump in and out of power and um, we've had obama leave power i think obama um and cameron and clegg um and merkel um you know uh, was a was a actually a real good period of, of sense of stability i look uh, back fondly yeah uh, whereas at the actually. moment I, I think we 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 are in this weird place you know and, and i was thinking i read this article incidentally and it really made me think about if this was a business and the article is basically saying that um you know do we blame the uk australia us alliance because ultimately a country's got to think for themselves they've got to plan to give themselves a status in the world stage for as long as possible and therefore they're going to create these alliances that are going to work for their own interests and i guess this is why sometimes i get you know and, and there was a comment around whether capitalism is right in order to give you that stage because if you roll over now and for the next 10 years let other countries and you become a very socialist system and just let everything you know to be able to climb back up that league table to have any influence on the world stage in 30 40 years time is nearly impossible um you know look at china now china is is running away from the us in its terms of economy but we all don't like the fact that they they you know that there is treatment of people and things that we read about in the news etc now i'm not going to confirm or deny that because i don't want to go to china and be arrested because i said something in a podcast platform but um I think where I'm going with this is that business leaders have to sometimes do things that may not be of the interest of all employees of an organization to give it the ability to scale and keep sustainable in its future. And I think if countries don't do in some respects what Drustin, you know, this is the thing I'm, I, I'm seeing this from both sides, even as we've been talking about it, I came as a, I came into this conversation, Strasson Trudeau, what an idiot, stupid idea, thinking, but I could understand his logic because actually if they stand still now for another four years instead of two, um, and actually, you know, there is this US, Australia, UK alliance, which I don't think he knew about when he called the snap election to be fair, but you know, these things he's unable to do because he's not got a mandate to govern. And if his opposition parties are against things of, you know, of growth and prosperity, I don't know what their agenda is, by the way, it may hold them back. They may end up, you know, going way down the pecking order of importance. Um, so it, it, it's a really tricky juggling act. Um, and unfortunately, the gamble didn't pay off. OK, I think he's gained one seat. Um, so he can spin that however he wants, but that's a bloody expensive seat in mon monetary terms. And so he's going to do some unholy alliances and dodgy deals to, to, to stay I in. I suspect so, and, yeah. and that gets him absolutely nowhere yeah Stifled. yeah 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 you know a bit i think unfortunately theresa may from the point of her re-election onwards was scuppered because she was the, the the failed you know um thatcher too if you will um i actually quite you know and again ironically isn't it you know ironic now that had they had the government or the parliament all parties got their shits together and allowed the leader to lead as she asked to do maybe we wouldn't have the current government we have now because actually 
um, their own refusal then made them get, be punished at the ballot box for their deliberate blocking of anything. What option do you want? Well, not this one. Come back again. It's a bit like your boss as a leader saying to you, that's not good enough. Try again. Okay, try again with what? Don't know. Just try something else. You're going to piss off the employee in the end. And I think, unfortunately, um, Justin Trudeau is possibly going to have that same problem now, isn't he? He's going to be, the, he's going to be, con and, and you know, even the British media, you read it today, you know, he gambled, it didn't pay off. That's pretty much what the press are saying today. Yeah. And of course, his opposition leader is lapping it up. He's been in post not particularly long and he has held off his gains uh, based on opinion polls that would actually say that conservatives in the calendar have made advances because if six weeks ago he was on the cusp of a majority, if not a guaranteed majority, what the flipping hell went wrong in the meantime? Um, so again, in business, do you capitalize on these moments to be able to make decisions? I think maybe what should have done is, is, is as a leader in business, if you are trading on reputation, you use that to your benefit to negotiate with your internal stakeholders rather than trying to vie for bigger power. Maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to put politics into business sense. Well, it's, 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 um, it's, it's a I think if you get into that kind of popularity position, um, I think it can be very uh, undermining. Um, because I think you then get into sort of factional positions, you get division, um, you know, and you get a bit marmitey. And, mm. and I think, I think, um, <laughs> you know, whether you like him or not, um, Marmite, uh, Boris Johnson is, is a bit marmite. And I bet he's thinking right now, he wishes that he could do, um, let's get COVID done. Mm. And he can't, it keeps coming back. And I think it's about to it's it's about to rear its ugly head all over again. Um, and you know there is talk uh, all over the place of lockdowns uh, this autumn. Whether we see them as um, the Full same as them, or, yeah, yeah get, we're going to get lockdowns of some form. And I don't know how that um, compares to uh, the the rest of the the world. But I know other countries are really struggling again right now. Um, and we are keeping our airports open. And so therefore, you know, the risk to the UK uh, in terms of the transmission of further COVID cases is pretty high. Um, but the cost to the economy, of course, of, of closing Britain off is, is extremely high uh, to yeah. the economy. So I understand that argument, but I know, which, I know which way I'd go if I was him. Well, but in, interestingly, I was, I was reading Jacinda Ardern's opinion polls are dropping yeah. because of her lack of leadership. Now, you know, she was closing off the borders yeah. and actually all they're doing is prolonging the inevitable. COVID is not going away. What are you going to do about it? You can, and the longer you keep the world shut off from, you know, us, the worse it's going to become. So it, it's really interesting, I think. And, and what frustrates me in some respects is the medical experts got it so right and government's inability to lead in most instances because of making the wrong decision and it being politicized is what caused them the problem. So, you know, me medical um, experts, um, for example, uh, you know, talking about um, vaccinations um, being critical and um, travel doors being closed. And, you know, at the beginning, China were very cross with countries for shutting off China to them, but actually, we should have been more decisive with that. The medical yeah, advice said that. 100%. Um, and, and yet, 
um, you know, there was then pushback and pressure elsewhere. And then, you know, it it's interesting, isn't it? There was the India variant was called the India variant for ages without any pushback. Yet the China virus is a very controversial figure used to call it was classified as deeply dis uh, divisive. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's it, it, anyway, we're going way off piece to the subject here, I think. But no, it's good. It's good. I, I, so I, I think the um, we started off with the idea of 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 loyalty and uh, a, a leader taking advantage of the loyalty at a given time. Um, to to make a decision in the case of the case of politics uh, politics a snap election in the case of CEO uh, it might be uh, that they feel that it's the right moment because of engagement scores and uh, retention staff everything's looking rosy to go and make that big uh, decision but you know what what is what what is that all about it and and it might be that they have a a distorted um, idea about what loyalty actually means, what it, what, how it exists, and the changes they make. Are they really testing out uh, whether this is the right decision for the people or just for the shareholders of the business? Because people can become very unpopular very quickly, as we know, and all the loyalty that they might have built up by that point could disappear in a nanosecond. Mm. Well, that's a big topic, huh? We've, I think we, we touched on that very nicely. Um, you know, uh, it's <coughs> in the nearly two years that you and me have been running this podcast, it is two years and three weeks, by the way. Oh my good grief. Um, you know, there's so much that's happened in politics and, um, you know, we, we, we often I consume most of the politics and thinking, how would this play out in business world? Um, and business has had to hugely change in the last two years as well. Um, you know, and the, 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 there seems to be crisis after crisis. We've got driver shortages, gas shortages, a pandemic, um, um, a, a messy divorce from the European Union. Um, you know, climate, uh, climate change is, is yeah. climate change, I think, is the biggest is the biggest thing uh, now coming. Um, personally, I, I, I think that um, you know we ain't seen nothing yet, and we gotta we gotta we gotta really sort of knuckle down uh, and get get ourselves um, really aligned uh, with what needs to be done. And of course, we're hosting uh, COP in November, and I'm just hoping that then we get some pretty big global commitments uh, to tackling climate change as best we can mm. yeah me too unfortunately we have a situation where this is what happens i suppose when we are a democratically elected world in most cases you're so and, right and bureaucracy means there's no world leader that is so right and um, and i i it's a question you know uh, is democracy fit for purpose uh, when you're tackling something as big as climate change, and I, 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 I'm an advocate for democracy. I don't want an autocracy, um, but I really worry that the decisions that need to be made cannot be made by people who are looking for a popular vote to be elected in for five minutes and then out again. Mm -hmm. And and you know, um, I you know, I listen to radio shows. Sorry, I've got a 
flipping fly that keeps wanting to jump into my mouth. Um, <laughs> I, I and I, I it, it, climate change. Don't get me wrong; it's not it's not sexy for a lot of people. It's not no. that interesting to listen to, and therefore it's not covered particularly effectively on broadcast media in this this country or others, uh, or in or in general media because it's not that interesting, and it should be. I, I, I hate to say it, I, I think the um, activists can cause people to become counterproductive. I think it's counterproductive. Um, I think they're turning people off to it because if this is what an environmentalist behaves like, it's a bit like, you know, an aggressive right-wing activist or a right or a left-wing socialist. You know, I don't align myself with their values. I don't how they operate doesn't doesn't play that. I'm, I, well, I'm thinking aloud as opposed to that's my opinion, by the way. Um, but 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 back to the previous point. You know, I I I think there, I think COP is just an is is helpful, but um, you know, we have a problem in one particular country that pollutes the world the most. And yet there isn't a collective effort to influence that that country to change. And of course, we still are buying things in our droves that are manufactured in the country that's the biggest pollutant. So I think that they're, and you know, and equally our prices at the minute, our consumer prices are creeping up because of our inability of self-reliance. But again, if there hasn't been the government of the day for the last two or three decades, um, being able to to plan for these types of things because to JB's point they're in for five years or four years and they hope to be re-elected it's a bit like a private equity firm I hate to say they 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 you know they, they are not good to lead big businesses because they're only in it to grow it for the five years and to hell with the consequences the minute they've they've sold that business so there's an awful lot of short-sighted thinking um so I I, I yeah you, you're right do we do we have a world dictator on climate that, that everyone elects around the world and says that they set the rules? You know, but of course, we all know that's going to have consequences on economies. You know, I think when I was reading about sugar, um, Coca-Cola being, you know, pressurized to no longer have any sugar drinks. And actually, it would wipe out, you know, countries, economies based on what they produce, which is the majority of our consumed sugar. Um, and so there is, you know, always these um, incidental, com um, indirect challenges as a result, which are ultimately consequences of one having an on effect with another. So who wants the job, huh? Um, and this is why, you know, that I think in politics, mm. you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, you're in the public domain, you're constantly scrutinized. Um, as much as I suspect you and me may be quite good political leaders, you're right, thanks. As much as I would, I think I can make a difference. Do I want that that public scrutiny? No. Um, but there you go. Well, see, the problem the problem that we have um, is that if you even if you did have a a view uh, that you know we're all you know on a hiding to nothing, we, you know the climate climate change is going to cause irreversible. Uh, chaos, um, possibly even anarchy in the world in the next 20, 30 years, people are going to die in their droves. So a lot of people believe that. Um, and w where do they take that uh, fear that millions of people are going to be affected by climate change in the next decade 
or two, um, and that we need to make change now. I, I, I think it's very difficult for them to get heard. Um, they can't, you know, so you, you join the Green Party, but the Green Party are never going to be elected. The sort of normal democratic process isn't going isn't, isn't gonna to work for you. You can't get your message across in the media because the media knows it's a turnoff. It doesn't sell newspapers. Broadcasters don't put it on um, because it's not good for ratings. So what do they do? They, they go and cause havoc on a motorway. And I... I, I, I think they're desperate. I think they cannot get their message across and they're resorting to any way to get you and I talking about this, which of course we are right now. Um, and I do, I, I do think it's very difficult to get anything to do with climate change uh, out, out there. And you can't, you can't elect in a green government at the moment it, you no. know, a, a, a vote for 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 the Green Party, I think, is you you could be waiting quite a long time for them to be elected. So if you think if you think the democratic process is the only way to get change in in a in a country, I'd say forget it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, and and here's the thing: you in Scotland now, you have the SNP, who you know, to an outsider, they're a one-trick party like UKIP. Um, and I think once they have got what they want, which possibly is inevitable, they will be out. Because if you look at their record in government outside of trying to get devolution, it's pretty abysmal. Um, but they've managed to govern on the basis of we will get <laughs> independence done successfully. Um, the Green Party um, have signed up to Scotland's independence to get some level of power. But we all know that they they are not going to achieve much. Um, but no, I, it's well, we're going we're going way off what we originally. I love it. I think but, it's good. It's good. But I I, these things that you're talking about. Yeah, but but you know, I think I think the the view of many in the UK, I believe, around green stuff is that we are making an effort, and actually, up until when we started having an energy crisis a few weeks ago, we were net neutral for carbon we were producing sorry we were producing more green energy than we were polluting energy if that makes sense so that's an exciting prospect um but as has been said and the problem is is there's now people that are trained on social media to attack people that come and criticize these protesters and actually they're protesting and go and glue yourself to a runway in china you know that's where you need to take your argument because we could do everything in our power but because we're in this world this democratically elected not a country, we are one one chink. And I'm sorry if we even get completely perfect for green. You know what are they going to campaign for then? So I would agree with you. I think again, um, you need to you need to offer a broad church of of offerings as an organisation to attract people to work for you. In the same way that being a one trick pony in politics, you will only ever get you'll get people voting for you knowing they're not going to ever get you in power because actually you're probably going to be probably useless at anything other than the one trick you want to trade on. The uh, COP26 climate change conference, I think, is in November. Should we go and sit outside and, and do I like think we should, on there? I think we should um, sellotape ourselves to the windows. <laughs> sellotape. Um, Other brands um, are available. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and 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 then that's our starting point. But I seriously, I think I think it would be a good time for us 
to actually reflect on, uh, you know, COP26 for global organizations, because if uh, it is a rallying call with any, any effect, any impact on climate change, it will affect uh, global businesses. And actually, if it doesn't affect global businesses in any way, uh, I think we're probably, it's not going to be of any use at all. It'll be a, rather than a hop in, it will be a cop out. Ah, very good. You see? Like it. We've sent, we've created, that, that, that has been set up for the entire show, that line. Yeah, we're working, yeah, working this forward into this moment. And at that point, ladies and gents, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. See you next time. E <laughs> Bush, drop the mic. Yeah. Um, well, do we have any listener questions this week? No, I thought <gasps> we did. We don't. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Yeah. And there's no one in the audience is forthcoming either, I've noticed. So, um, so I mean, that, we what can do either. We do end, now? Well, we can end it there. Um, it's just ridiculous. No one's paying attention. I think we just say thank you, good night. It's enough of this from me, and it's enough of this from him. We don't get any questions. What's the matter with them? See you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the one other thing I wouldn't mind briefly touching upon is twenty years later. Um, did Bush lead on 9-11? Oh, I thought you'd gone funny. I thought, 20 years later, we've been doing this. I was just having a funny moment. Like, Christ, have we been doing this for 20 years? Fucking feels like it. But, <laughs> <laughs> it us today. Um, right, so what, what was the question? Um, 20 years later, did Bush lead effectively through 9-11? No. Uh, tell me more. <laughs> um... <laughs> I think the rhetoric, the stance um, was uh, massively uh, overcharged. And uh, I think a d careful, careful reflection and uh, more strategic um, work needed to be done uh, to to deal with that situation. I think just to um, go careering uh, into places like uh, Afghanistan um, without that that invasion of Af Afghanistan had all sorts of um, errors in it. It had mission creep uh, because I think you know, setting off to go and get Osama bin Laden, I get that. I, I, I actually, you know, I can understand that. But then I think when you look at history of the uh, English and the Russian uh, invasion of Afghanistan, it, it, never, it never went well. Um, and I think there were lessons to be learned from that. And I think if, if there was a sort of longer period of reflection, um, and yes, uh, you know, I think, I think it was right uh, to uh, seek um, reparation for what had been done. But I think the scale of that initiative, that tactic, because I don't think it was a strategy, I think it was very tactical, uh, was dangerous for the world. Um, 
and history should have been used as evidence uh, to to not do what 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 the Americans did and what we did. I think it was a a big it was a strategic mistake because it wasn't strategic and it had mission creep left left all over it um when we went into that country and I'm not an expert but that is my my uh, armchair um my armchair view yeah what do, you, what do you think um i i would agree with certain amounts of what you said i think it, it was uh, it was a, a, a tactically placed question given our previous comment around world leader um and i think for that day and week bush was the world leader because we looked to him to understand how we could support his people in responding to what had happened um i was uncomfortable with his aggressive rhetoric um we must you know attack um but as i also can appreciate is that countries that harbor terrorists are therefore part of the problem um but i think where things went wrong in the aftermath is that there wasn't i believe a necessary opportunity to force those countries to change before a full invasion occurred give up your terrorists or else uh, and we want to see them on the, our doorsteps within this amount of time there've been a better way for it but again if we look at <laughs> what we've talked about during this episode every country really let's let's be honest wants what's good for them and you know it's a bit of a siloed mentality and i think the 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 feet the 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 mood on the street in in the us in the aftermath was very much in tune with what he was saying and i think any of you that have watched that documentary um he was down at ground zero at that time so that was a particularly poignant and raw place to speak but um you know recovery wasn't what people wanted to hear at that point they wanted to hear there will be repercussions for these innocent victims and i don't know how i would feel if i'd lost people in 911 i we, you and i both knew of people that were in 911 on the day or the previous day um and we spoke about them to to them in the netherlands i remember a good few years ago but their name remain nameless for the purpose of the podcast so um i i think he he did lead well on balance because he rallied the troops in the most literal sense of we will get through this we are going to be okay and we are going to come up with a plan it you know and i think that's what people wanted to hear at that time 20 years later i definitely agree with you though jb history has not necessarily been as good because um they perhaps um well within the two or three days following i think there was good leadership across the piece but i think then the revenge really kind of became too much embedded in their thinking moving forwards um you know as i recall from understanding the documentary the mission of the bush administration from 2002 sorry 2000s election was all about education for the future of their own people yeah and from 911 onwards the rest of their entire government was dominated by afghanistan iraq weapons of mass destruction war 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 um so it's it's tricky now if the us was a was a business 
as has been said many times in different uh, media outlets, and I believe this to be correct, but please correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong, um, the US economy does very well during war because of the amount of military manufacturing that goes on in that country. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, um, what's the objective of a country if it's a business? It's to provide economic stability um, to whatever consequence. And was there a playing on the loyalty towards him leading in a crisis at the time to be supportive of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan? Because we need to remember he was re-elected, not hugely in a majority, but he was re-elected in 2004 to govern until Obama took over in January 2009. So um, the, the, the word on the street, according to the people, was carry on, please, on balance. So well, yeah, so in Bush's administration, he had some pretty creepy people who are making an awful lot of money out of military armaments and and so on. Um, I won't. I put. Well, I, I don't want to put names to because uh, I quite like going to America now and again. So I'm not going to say anything anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. We've been trying around. Yeah, in fact, all these countries we shat on for the the episode. We're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, we've got a client booking in the US and um, and no no China bookings. I'm pleased to say so. Um, but there we go. Um, anyway, uh, so look, if you've got any listener questions, um, we would very much like to talk about your thinking rather or what you want us to think about rather than what we are thinking about. Um, so please do email your questions into globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com, globalleadershippodcast.seedle.com or glp at seedle.com. And those emails will come through and we'll pull them out the drawer at our next available episode. Um, you can, of course, um, be in the live audience. You can sign up on Seedle.com. You only need a light account to access the podcast. So go to Seedle, register light, and you will be able to access to be in the live audiences for the podcast on there. And of course, if you want to ask us a question or even set an idea for a thing, you can always, as I say, get in touch via social media as well. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and that's it. We're not on Facebook, I remember. God, you're so. good at this. Um, I, I did. I had a little thing that I was going to talk about today, but I'm going to hold it off until the next time because mm. it's actually um, words that change minds by Shelley Rose Charnette, and uh, I think you'll find it quite interesting when I talk about it. I'm just going to select two or three things from it that will make you think every time you have a conversation with somebody: Is it one of these? One of these? or one of these that's going on in these conversations. And it's actually quite mind-blowingly interesting. I'm going to talk about that in our next podcast. Thank you. Uh, did we finish that? I think that's what we did, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think that was a little sneaky promo for our next um, our next session. So uh, thank you, Anne. You're looking very handsome today. Ah, oh, it's because I've got a white backdrop behind me. You're also looking equally attractive in your shed. Uh, anyway, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been JB. And we went a bit political today, but um, we'll get back on track with business stuff next time. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.